Welcome to the MomStrong Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Johnson, creator of the MomStrong Method and full-time speaker and coach for working moms. I give it to you straight. I hold you to being your best self, and I can't wait to help you craft your life into something perfectly imperfect. Tune in each week as I share tips, tricks, and motivation for balancing family, a job, and trying to get healthy. I'm so glad you're here. Ooh, and there's my husband text messaging me. That's his special text message tone. You guys are welcome. <laughs> so uh, before you, <laughs> I can hear some of my clients and potential clients being like, hell no, do not touch my wine, Jen. <laughs> I really want you to hear me out. So um, I'm going to give you a little bit of reflection on a book that I read called Sober Curious by Ruby Warrington. Um, it's along the same lines of um, there's a book called Smashed and then a book called The Naked Mind. And this new kind of, not new, I don't want to say new, but a more prevalent movement coming up around, um, especially even millennials, and they're saying in Great Britain, I'm reading a couple articles about it recently, that there is this trend that we were going um, so forward into the craft beer and still and distillery movement. And now there's kind of another trend happening where people are just being sober and being sober curious. And I thought it was really interesting and interesting enough to read the book. I heard Ruby on a few podcasts and I was like, hmm, I should check this out. And to give you some backstory. So for those of you who are just following here who don't really know me, you know, personally, um, I worked in the brewing industry industry for about 10 years, six years full time. And with my time there, obviously, it was a little bit difficult to explore my relationship with alcohol, right? And so being like, I'm going to go sober. It's like, well, it's only product we sell. What kind of a message does that talk about? And every year, you know, dry January comes up and people doing the whole 30 and giving up alcohol. Um, and so it was a tough thing for me personally and professionally to really grapple with. And so when I read this book, I was like, okay, I'm gonna be open minded. I'm probably not gonna go sober, but like I just wanna read about it just to see. Because as many of you who are working moms, all of you probably who are listening to this, you also run into the mommy wine culture, right? Like us calling, you know, wine o'clock and um, all of our interactions with our girlfriends being over alcohol or anything happening after five o'clock. Right when you get home, you pour yourself a glass of wine because it's been such a stressful day. Um, or the whole like mommy juice, we call it mommy juice and it's wine. And this has become more and more okay to promote drinking culture around working, around being a mom, right? That it's a tough job, which it is, but then we require alcohol to get through it. And so she doesn't really touch on that in the book in terms of like the mommy culture kind of like tilt on it. But for me, that's how I look through every lens. All I serve is working moms. And so everything that I read or, or interact with or listen to, I'm like, well, how how would my client benefit from that? How would my free group benefit from that? What are ways that I can speak to the women that I serve, specifically being working moms? And so um, it's impossible to ignore that drinking culture, right? Once you start, it is the same. It's I don't know why it took me three years to get here, but it's the same thing around food and treats and treat yourself. And it's a holiday and now it's your birthday and now it's National Donut Day. It's the same thing around alcohol I'm finding. And I also want to be a really well-informed coach and understand I've had a couple women come to me that are totally sober for various reasons, not necessarily for addiction or recovery, um, but just because they want to be sober because of just various reasons. So I want to make sure that I'm a well-informed coach and I often like to challenge my own values and views. Like, why am I doing this? Why is it, you know, when I, when I meet clients who are like, I could never give up dairy. I'm like, let's explore that relationship a little bit because nothing should have that kind of a pull over you. 
And I think that honestly, part of being free and being healthy is being able to make your own choices and not have any substance or food or person or anything like that having control over you and your decisions. It's so freeing. Um, And I think back to my Catholic roots, grew up Catholic, um, about Lent, right? Where you'd always try to pick out one of the, well, when I was a kid, I'd be like, I'm going to give up kale, you know, or not kale. That wasn't really around when I was younger, but I'm going to give up broccoli for Lent. And it's like one of those things, right? Where you're like, no, you don't really need to give that up because you don't really eat that anyways. Um, but giving up, you know, for around Lent time for Catholics, we would give up, you know, something that we really had a not so great relationship with, right? When I got older, it was around like um, social media or dark chocolate when I was in college, things like that, that I didn't really have the healthiest relationship with, I would abstain from for that time of Lent. So it's similar, similar, um, similar thought about that, that if you find yourself saying, I could never do without that, maybe examine your relationship with that, especially if it's not getting you to your health and fitness goals. So I want to talk about alcohol this episode specifically, um, and signs that maybe you want to examine your relationship with it too. And I also want to, before I dive in, I want to say there is no shame around this. So if you end this episode and you're like, nah, I'm still going to do what I do, that's fine. I just want to give you pause because I, I truly do believe that we should be questioning our motives behind everything. Why do I choose this school? Why do I read this book? Why do I blah, 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 whatever, insert here, and just asking yourself the questions. And if it gets uncomfortable and you're like, I don't enjoy this, that might be something to look in a little more deep. So the book itself, um, she she actually wrote a book that I read previously that's like Mystical Girl Material World, I think, and it's a big woo-woo book about, you know, crystals and meditation and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but this one is written more from her view where she was part of, you know, kind of the party scene and had found that it was giving her different things that she just wasn't necessarily comfortable with. And that's kind of where my story with this goes. So I actually, um, since the beginning of June, since the end last day of June, the 30th, I have not had alcohol. Um, and for me, that would have usually been a very big deal. Like I would have been announcing it everywhere. Like I'm going dry, I'm doing all the things. But the way that this book really helped me examine that relationship was more of like, well, why do I drink? How do I drink? What do I get from drinking? And personally, what I found is I'm not someone that is like, I just love Prosecco. I love Prosecco because it's the easiest way to get closer to a buzz. And that's what I would chase. It was never really about getting drunk. Some nights it was. Some nights it was about just getting smashed. Um, But most nights... It was more about chasing that tingly feeling. Like one glass was never enough because it never really got me there. But if I could have two or maybe three, then I would get that kind of buzzy, high, tingly feeling. And that's what I chased. And that feeling that was under, what was underneath that for me personally was escape, was numbing, was I didn't have to think about my job then. I didn't have to think about, you know, my relationship stress. I didn't have to think about the giant list of to-dos that never seemed to get to done. Um, And that's what I was chasing underneath, underneath there. A way just to relax. And another term, if it's not a healthy way for me to think about it, if I'm relaxing in an unhealthy way, zoning out on Netflix, zoning out on social media, consuming too much alcohol, consuming too much food, that's another way to say numb. And the more that I lean into my life and the more that I think about the legacy that I want to leave and also how I want to be all my days, it's the opposite of numb. I want to feel things. I want to be alive. I want to feel the emotions, whether they're good or bad. 
And often a lot of us, cha- we, we use alcohol or food um, as a way to numb ourselves from feeling emotions, from feeling the stress of work and finding out better ways to deal with that, from feeling the stress of a tumultuous home environment. Maybe our kids are acting out. Maybe our spouse and us are, are fighting. And so we, we drink to take off the edge there. Or we drink to numb from a crazy work day or from whatever it is, we're using that substance as a tool to numb ourselves. And I wasn't in love with that. Like when I started examining that about myself and why I was using alcohol, A, partly it was just a habit. We used to have a box of wine on the counter. I'd just come home and drink it, and I wasn't even mindful of it. But it was also because I was chasing the numbness so I didn't have to think about the stressful day I had at work or the money coming into the bank account or the conversation that I wanted to have with Ryan that weekend. I was numbing these things. And I don't love that. Like it wasn't something that I was like, this is terrible. I need to stop drinking immediately. But it was definitely one of those things where it was like, wow, what am I numbing myself to? And what do I need to start facing? And I found more and more my personal development journey. It's really honestly been all about feeling the feelings, going through the weather and finding better ways to cope with it so I'm more resilient. That's honestly why I started doing meditation because everyone says, hey, if you're really stressed out, meditate. And I'm like, but I can't stop thinking. It's the worst. Why do I have a monkey brain? Well, that's why you flip and meditate so you can calm that monkey brain so you can start to resist the, the urges that you have. You resist the, oh, I need to get up and change the laundry. You resist the, oh, I need to write that down. You learn to resist these quote-unquote emergencies and understand that you can be fine for 10 minutes. You can turn your phone off. You can be quiet and let your monkey mind go to work, but not give in to those urges. It's the same thing with alcohol. For me, it also became a social thing. So I was, I believe everyone is an emotional eater or drinker either one, whatever you put in here, everyone is. Whether you're drowning something out or you are trying to amplify a part of your personality um, or you were, like for me, when I would go out, I would go out with friends and family, you know, and I'd have a couple drinks and, you know, I would just wait for permission or wait, I'd see the waiter coming and then I would like chug the end of my drink because I knew I wanted to order another one. That wasn't very mindful of me, right? Where like, I'm like, oh, the waiter's coming, just drink the rest of my drink where I could have just like gotten the drink the next round or not at all. Um, also, it put me into some, you know, situations where I was like, then my personality was amplified. If any, and all of you, I'm certain, not all of you, a lot of people have experienced where you have a night out and then you want, you're like dreading looking at your phone the next day. You're like, oh my God, what did I post? Who did I talk to? Who did I text at three in the morning? And that's, again, not the life I want to live anymore. I'm 37 years old and not saying there's an appropriate age to be doing that. But for me, I was just like, man, I don't love that. And so the book continued to talk about more of the, um, the numbing behaviors and like, why are you drinking? Are you drinking to be social? And for me too, that's the hardest part. I went out on my birthday and didn't have alcohol. My parents were so sweet and they're like, hey, we're coming down. We're going to grab a couple bottles of Prosecco to celebrate because that's how we celebrate, right? And it's not a bad thing. Everyone does this. You pop the bottles of champagne, you have the glass of wine, you do whatever, and it's a celebratory thing. And unbreaking that habit for me has been really uncomfortable. And going out and, you know, Ryan will order a beer and I'm, I'm like, and I'll have a glass of water, or I'll have ask for a mocktail, or I'll ask for something that doesn't have alcohol in it, and that feels really freaking weird. 
And that further, that, that strange, uncomfortable feeling causes me to reflect further instead of me just to give in and say, well, fine, no, 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 I'm, you know, I'll just have a couple glasses of wine on my birthday to make everyone else feel comfortable, which is what it boils down to. And for me, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't feel comfortable. I don't really want to drink because I started examining my relationship with it more. And it doesn't bring me things. It doesn't bring me closer to the gen that I want to be in 10 years. And so breaking that habit has been really uncomfortable. And I'm, if you're going to go down this journey or read this book, like, sorry, because you're going to start coming up against things that you're like, oh, I feel uncomfortable thinking about that or worrying about that or wondering if I, you know, if I'm not using this in the best way possible. So it's not about addiction. It's not about, and for some people it is, but honestly, for the majority of working moms, especially women that I work with, it's not about any of that. It's just about examining what are you covering up with your use of alcohol or food or any of these that you should be facing and could be facing in ways that make you more resilient, that honor your goals, that get you closer to that. And so, I'll, you know, it talks about the health aspects as well. Um, and obviously, I always thought it was crap whenever people would post about like, oh, red wine's good for your heart. Well, the things in there, you'd have to drink like enough red wine to not have it be a good thing in order to get the things that red wine has in it. Um, and so like, that's total bullshit. But it's a fun thing to say, right? Where it's like, oh, beer is good for you because it has men in it. And it's like, I mean, you have to drink a lot of that to get to that point of having, you know, health benefits from the ingredients. And then you are weighing it by detoxifying your liver. So um, so if you are choosing to drink, though, I really do encourage you. The, the issue that I see when I was, you know, the one that I have really, really talked with clients is drinking later at night. Um, and the reason is the same thing with um, screens and social media and watching TV is that drinking at night causes you to go into a rested sleep state immediately, initially. So you fall asleep really quickly. But then as that alcohol wears off, you have then more restless sleep. As it wears off, your body goes, oh, what's going on here? And that's why you don't sleep very well when you've been drinking. Also, obviously, it, distur- it disturbs your sleep, but it also adds extra calories that, you know, you maybe just don't want to be drinking your calories overall. And so I recommend having it earlier in the day if you are going to have it. So have a glass of wine with dinner and then cut yourself off after dinner um, just for health and sleep benefits. Because, again, you're not going to sleep very well when you're consuming alcohol. Your liver has to go and detoxify all these things. And so it's really not beneficial if you have it closer to bedtime. So if you're choosing to continue drinking, great, but do it before bedtime do it before, even before dinner time. So maybe as you're cooking dinner, enjoy a glass of wine, then that's it. Something that I've helped, that I've seen be really helpful for me as I'm um, kind of breaking that habit, just the habit of having a glass of wine right when, you know, Ryan gets home or right during dinner. Um, something that I found that's been really helpful is I do like mocktails. And this is a really dumb one. It's not considered a mocktail, but I'll take like sparkling water, any flavor, and then about a tablespoon of like fresh pressed juice. You can get it at any any store, really. And I'll mix those two together and it makes me feel like, and I'll put it in a wine glass. And it makes me feel a little bit fancy. Um, I can also get in my, you know, my water, it helps me get my water intake up. And I actually drink it a lot faster. So if I'm having a day where I'm not drinking enough water, I will have a couple of those where I'll just add in like, you know, a tablespoon to half a tablespoon of juice just to kind of sass it up a little bit. Um, And then you just feel like less out of place. But honestly, what I find for the women that I'm working with that do want to examine going sober or being more sober curious, the issue that they face is consistently the social peer pressure. So when they go out for a happy hour after work, or they go out with their girlfriends, they always drink. How do you enjoy being sober and not feeling weird? And I want to say, you can't really not feel weird initially. 
you have to feel uncomfortable. And that's part of the process. If you're going to examine kind of doing this or drinking less or not drinking, you know, maybe you have three happy hours a week and you want to not drink for one of them. And you're going to get questions initially. People might try to force you to drink or be like, oh, just have one. And just, you know, using the same things that I've taught you around food and being like, no, thank you. I'm good. Or like, no, not right now. Or I'm feeling kind of tired. I'm just going to have a water instead. I'm at the very least do what we were told to do in college, which is alcoholic drink, water, alcoholic drink, water. So be so keep your hydration up. Um, but also it just like, it's initially getting that, uh, getting over the initial, the first drink order. Once you're past that, you're pretty clean to go. So if you can just get past the first drink order where they come to the table and they're, everyone's like, oh, a glass of wine, I'll have some Prosecco, I'll have a beer. And you're like, I'll have a water or I'll have a something, you know, whatever you order, I'll have a lemonade, I'll have a nice tea. Um, and then getting past that, that is like the most uncomfortable part is the initial drink order. And then, you know, people come and go. It was really cool. We were actually out for my birthday um, at a restaurant called W.A. Frost. And they have a drink menu about nine different zero proof cocktails, they call them. So they were like fancy mixed drinks with no alcohol in them. So I, that to me, seeing that on a menu, I was like, wow, like this might be becoming something where people are kind of pushing against traditional thoughts around drinking, which is kind of cool to see that there are people just questioning things. I always appreciate that, um, and I hope that this kind of made you go, huh, I'm interested in learning more, maybe having less. Oftentimes, um, you know, I don't make my clients give up alcohol, but I will challenge their relationship with it as it ties to their mental health and maybe what they're numbing out a little bit. Maybe if they're having two or three glasses of wine at night, it's like, okay, what's going on there? What are we chasing? Because typically it's like, you know, yes, Prosecco tastes good, but the thing I'm really tasting and really wanting is the buzz, not because it's tasting good. And so, just something, some little, a little nugget for you guys to just check out. If you're curious about it, let me know. Um, and I just like, I, again, I don't make my clients give up wine or alcohol or any of that. Um, but if it does tie to their overall health, to their overall mindset, we start to question that just because it's just worth it. Just ask the question. And if you're like, I could never give up my wine, mm, sis, like start thinking about how tied you are to that and what it's giving you, how it's benefiting you. Um, and I'm here for you. If you want to talk about it more, I'd love to talk. So you can... Um, Reach out to me on social media, Jennifer Tiggis Johnson on Facebook or Jennifer.T.Johnson on Instagram. And I look forward to continuing this conversation as it comes up. As I learn more, I'll share with you guys. Um, but it's been a really kind of fun experiment so far and just like leaning into being uncomfortable with this and asking myself why I feel uncomfortable with this. And oftentimes, you know, one last thing is that the, the uncomfortableness comes from other people. They, my perception is that when you stop drinking, those who have been drinking with you, typically your partner or your best friend, they will feel uncomfortable like you are judging their behavior. And maybe you are. So don't, that's the other thing I want to say is don't judge other people for choosing to consume alcohol. It is really easy when you start eating better, moving your body. If you do, if you choose to go sober curious, all these things, it's really easy to then look at the world around you and be like, don't you guys know you're killing yourselves? <laughs> and that is the opposite way to create change in people that you love. So if you are going to give up your wine, 
Do not require your husband to give up his beer at night. Do not require your best friend to stop drinking margaritas. And you can talk about what you're doing, but just be careful when you're talking in a judgy, pushing your values on others types of way, right? And obviously, again, I'll say it, there's always an asterisk to this. If you do have an issue with alcohol, if there's an addiction with your partner, things like that, totally different ballgame, friends. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the consumption of alcohol and maybe not the healthiest way, um, but especially don't put this new, if you are going to try it out, you're going to go sober for a period. Do not shame other people. That is not the way to make change. Stay in your own lane. Put on your blinders. Try it out. See what you come up with. See what is happening around you. See the social pressures that happen. See them and feel them and be like, huh, that has happened. Jen said that was going to happen. Okay, good to know. And you can just take that in as information and deal with being uncomfortable if that's a path that you choose to, to check out. So... If you're not in my free group right now, what are you doing? We're going to continue the conversation over there. So hop on in. It's the MomStrong Facebook group. You can find it in the banner of my Facebook page. Just go to Jennifer Tigus Johnson. Shoot me a friend request and a message saying, hey, I listen to your podcast. I would like to be your friend. And I'll be like, awesome. Let's be friends. Are you in my free group? Um, and I'd love to have you over there. And remember... Your mom's strong. You are worthy of every dream you have. And I'm here in your corner cheering you on and believing in you even before you believe in yourself. Massive, massive love to you.